And welcome, folks, healthy folks, I hope, to Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am one-third of your hosting team this week, Chris Peterson. Always glad to be joining you. But with me today, I've got some great, great co-hosts. As always, Mr. Ben Frawley, how are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the world? How are you doing out there? It's kind of uh-huh. it's kind of crazy out there, but crazy. you know what? This is you know what season this is? It's podcasting making and podcasting listening season. It is. Uh, so uh, get in there and just start listening to some casts. <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely what a plug and also this week miss lynette williams how are you i am <coughs> i'm good i'm fine <laughs> you okay i got nervous completely completely ner- normal <laughs> well we're coming we're well, coming to I don't you know from about all that, <laughs> <laughs> We're coming to you from three different parts uh, of the state of New York, which is kind of going through an interesting phase right now. You guys are both kind of upstate. Uh, ben, you're kind of in the Syracuse area. Lynette, remind yep. me again, where are you? I'm in the heart of the capital, where the decisions are getting made. <laughs> Not really. Yes. There you go. And I am in the thick of it. I am down in the New York City area where uh, we are basically ready to blow the bridges like it's Dark Knight Rises. And just... <laughs> I may get stuck here on the island, but um, yeah, things are a little crazy. So folks, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome to the party. What we like to do on this podcast is bring some interesting stories in the world of entertainment, whether it's movies, music, food, culture, the whole nine yards, and bring those topics to this podcast to discuss. The kicker is we have no idea what each other are bringing to the table so all all the discussions all the reactions it's all genuine and real and spontaneous that's how we do it here so um i'm gonna i'm gonna start off by doing something a little unorthodox uh for this podcast and i'm throwing a curveball at you guys um but i'm gonna i'm gonna lead things off i never lead things off on this podcast (laughs) i'm gonna lead off let's talk about the big topic that is kind of engulfed all of pop culture and entertainment and that is of course the coronavirus situation that's i i started writing out my topics and i'm like nope that's related to coronavirus and that's related to coronavirus yeah so, it was really hard <laughs> let's talk about it so uh obviously folks if you're you're watching the news if you're you know not living in a bunker already uh you've seen that the coronavirus um reaction uh is is drastically changing minute by minute i mean you're getting multiple events uh, that are closing uh, and changing or putting delayed. I mean, it's it's crazy. Every single day, there's something else getting canceled or uh, delayed or pushed back. And uh, I just wanted everybody's thoughts on what's happening. We'll we'll talk about some of the industries that are being impacted by this because there's a lot of them. But uh, Ben, I just wanted to start off with your kind of general thoughts about everything coronavirus. Yeah, um, well, we're taking this very serious up here. There are a lot of counties up here that are being affected and uh, more updates as they come, as tests become available. Uh, But as far as entertainment goes, that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, The big breaking news, of course, is NBA suspended, college basketball suspended. And now just hours ago, 
MLB suspended all spring training games and at least put out uh, starting day by two weeks. So right now, there are no sports being played. Uh, Lynette, as a healthcare professional, what do you think about um, sports, uh, you know, banning gatherings like that? Hmm. <laughs> Thanks, <Bob>. um, <laughs> That's my opinion. Uh, no, I mean, as a healthcare professional, I, I'm, I'm in this weird, I'm personally in this weird bubble because I've been a theater person and we're going off of the fact that they just closed Broadway for a month. Right. Like, so that's huge for us. And, um, the local theaters up here are freaking out cause they just closed. So, um, so they're all postponing and pushing back stuff for a month. Um, so arts venues are worried. Sports venues are worried. High schools are worried as a, as a healthcare professional, I do think a lot of the craziness on the interwebs is overwhelming and unnecessary. However, I am okay with the, um, the I'd rather be safe than sorry tactic. The here, whole here. thing is about social distancing. Um, I think in looking at the information, I literally just went on uh, the World Health Organization and CDC and looked at their information and made sure that the stuff that I was getting from Facebook was correct, which <laughs> we know is not. Um, but it, I mean, Hong Kong was able to keep their numbers down because they shut everything down. And they did it for the span that the, um, like for the 14 days. Um, and so they were able to keep their numbers uh low and i think that by new york state and the rest of the united states doing that i think we're going to keep our numbers low assuming that people follow it now as an entertainment person i'm like i want my entertainment what are you gonna do at home <laughs> read a book come on <laughs> talk to people i know uh. what is this this, this talking to people. Ugh, I don't want to talk to the people in my home. <laughs> I don't have people in my home. I have two cats. People would call me psychotic. Um, so, yeah. So, that's... On that end, I'm, like, a little frustrated because I'm, like, I still want to go out and do things because I, I can't... I'm not one of those people that can stay in a place for long periods of time. Like, two days is my max inside without freaking out. So, it'll be interesting to see how I handle this personally, but as a healthcare professional, just wash your hands. Don't cough on people. Like, don't be stupid. Help out your neighbors. You know, if they're immunocompromised, offer to go shopping for them. Like right. if they're elderly, offer, offer to help. We can get through this together. Very good. Very good. Chris, what are your thoughts on everything? You know, it's, I think there's a mixture of, I think Lynette nailed it. Hysteria on social media. I mean, this is not, a zombie virus that is going to kill you and then you know you're gonna reanimate you exactly like it's not that and thankfully though i've watched enough zombie movies to really kind of prepare for these things but anyway oh my god um, that'd be easier actually it'd be much easier um but yeah i i think that any organization or event that's being proactive about this is a good thing uh, I, I really liked seeing that a lot of these big scale events like South by Southwest and Coachella were really quick to, you know, push back or cancel altogether. Um, and as unprecedented it is to find out that the NCAA tournament is canceled, like that's, that's, it's not being postponed. No. It's canceled. It's, it's done. done. Right. 
So every team in the country won the national championship this year. Congratulations. Yay! Um, Syracuse, congratulations. So, um, <laughs> Carmelo, um, UK, I think, I think these are th- things to, to think about, but you know, the, the, the flip side is, uh, the just massive, massive ripple effect this is going to have on so many industries. I mean, Lynette, you touched on it. Broadway closing down for 30 days at least right now. Uh, mm-hmm. it, they will not go back up, uh, until April 12th at the earliest um that's huge because these actors they get paid on a weekly basis their pay comes from basically the weekly receipts so if no money's coming in no money's coming out um they are not guaranteed salaries uh same thing for uh a lot of the per diem workers the independent contractors the merchandise people the bartenders that work these events that rely on tips and things like that they're out of a job right now and uh it's I can tell you from from my personal Facebook feed, which is just chock full of New York theater, you know, employees, um, there is a lot of panic uh, mm-hmm. because they'd have no idea what they're going to do. And, you know, I, I'm kind of putting together an article right now, and it's taken me a while to put together this article because you're just trying to cover this massive uh, ripple effect, this bubble of, of how much this impacts everything. And, you know, the line I keep coming back to in my piece uh, is – you know, these are unprecedented times which call for unprecedented measures. And so I think, especially in New York City, I think uh, landlords and people that um, demand or require monthly payments from certain people need to be lenient, obviously. Um, I think Actors' Equity should probably suspend all collection of monthly dues and things like that. Um so there's just there's a lot of things that go into this, but you know it's it's tough to try to keep business going when you know a lot of these businesses are shut down. So Mayor De Blasio, who I ninety nine point nine percent of the time think is a terrible mayor, uh, did some things right today. He he declared yeah. a state of emergency for New York City, which was the right thing to do, uh, and he was very realistic. He said, "Look, you know, there will be businesses that close in New York City because of this, and it's you know sad, but." Um, you know, we're going to do everything we can to try to get things back up to normal uh, as quickly as possible. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a scary and unpredictable and who knows what's going to happen time right now. But Grubhub should excel. Grubhub and Seamless should be doing really, really. I mean, yeah. I ordered from Seamless tonight. So there you go. Or how about that new app? Uh, Gotta go. You guys heard about that? No. Oh. If you work at a job. There, you can't pee. Someone will relieve you for 15 minutes. <laughs> you just watch that on Curb? I did. <laughs> Best You're the worst. Ever. I don't work here. I don't care. I'm spit shine. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing too, Ben, I mean, all, you know, and Lynette, you know, we've got major movies being pushed mm. back now. Um, yeah. Every Bond. single day. Bond got moved back to um, Thanksgiving. The Fast 9 got moved to 2021. It's coming out a year from it basically pushed it back on an entire year. Maybe they um, just rewatched it and was like, "Oh, this is a really crappy movie." I mean, I think time. I think yeah, that's it. And also, uh, and Vin Diesel's latest movie, Bloodshot, looks terrible. So I, I'm oh, sure but that, that came out. <laughs> I got um, emails from Regal today. <laughs> so you gotta wonder, you know, we've talked about this before, but you gotta wonder if the streaming networks are just gonna dominate. You know, for the next couple. Uh, that's of months. what I was thinking. I was totally gonna. You read my mind. I was totally gonna think like, this might be the thing. Like of all the industries, 
you know, a lot of these people, a lot of people want the industries that might suffer back, of course, you know, it being whatever, whether it be healthcare or, or cruises or all inclusive resorts or people that pay rent, you know, after this is done, you want those people back to put money into the economy, of course. But, you know, uh, a system, and I hate to say it because it's a thing I love dearly, like uh, going to the theaters to go watch movies that's kind of antiquated already. Is this the thing that makes speeds up that process? And, you know, everyone was kind of making fun of that uh, Hollywood movie theater museum. But <laughs> is that going to be the last theater standing at the end of all this? Well, I don't know. Well, I got two emails from two different um, theater vendors, Regal and Landmark Theaters, because I'm on their web, their mailing lists um, to get discounts and things like that. And both of them reassured me rigorously, rigorously that their, um, their, <laughs> their sanitation departments have upped their cleaning schedules, um, have ordered new products for disinfectants, and are following the CDC mandates to a T to not interrupt the movie watching um, experience. And so that they can be oasises from the storm. Huh. And I'm yeah. like, but you still house 25, 50, 80 people. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. It's yeah, not, it's hard for that. But I think, you know, for anybody out there who is seeing these types of posts on their Facebook pages or whatever saying, like, you need to shut everything down, close schools and blah, blah, blah. Just remember, there's a lot of things to take into consideration yeah. when you start closing schools on a mass Especially basis. schools. Especially elementary schools, because um, now parents have to take off work to take care of the kids. I mean, right, and, and some of those a, parents might be nurses and doctors. So, right, exactly. Right. And exactly. also for some kids, that's the only meal they get is the meal provided by school. Correct. All day. Mm -hmm. So if schools close, they don't get to eat. Well, that, that's that's the you know that's what New York City is facing because eight percent of the public school population in New York City is homeless. Yep. So, yep. Uh, where do those kids go? So th again, there's so much to be taken into consideration. But the important thing is not to jump to conclusions. Uh, the point is not to do what the Trump administration has not done, <laughs> um, and 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 listen to. <laughs> medical professionals and and you know like i said if, if anybody out there is you know feeling sick or showing symptoms i mean you know get your get yourself to a, a medical facility and take care of yourself the key though is to know all right i'm gonna do a i'm gonna do a health official please to know the symptoms it's not just if you're sneezing that's not that's allergies i love your post today lynette that you had I think you you posted that the, the yeah. symptoms the three different ver yeah. what's the flu what's corona the key is the cough in the lungs you want to make sure if you're having trouble breathing if you have a cough shortness of breath fever you need to go and get to get yourself tested um, but if if it's if you think that you have um, malaise and body aches along with the cough then it's probably flu. Um, you know, and just to stay home. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, if it's if you're sneezing and your eyes are itching and you're having clear drainage, that's allergies all the way. There's no reason to go to the doctor, pick yourself up some Claritin or Mucinex and call it a day. See, this is why Lynette is one of the best medical professionals in the state of New York. Oh, hell. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, any, oh, any, any medical facility would be lucky to have you. 
I would just oh. say, let me just say that on the air. Yeah, well, just putting you. it out there. Yeah, I appreciate out that. References. I know. I'll be like, can you please reference Desperately Seeking Entertainment? That's, that's, that's my reference. Just, But don't listen to any of the episodes. Just this one. Yeah. <laughs> From uh, this point to this point. Well, I'm sure, you know, as as the months go on and, and uh, you know, this thing is not going anyway anytime soon, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about this, I'm sure, a lot on this podcast. But I'm glad that we kind of kicked things off by just kind of putting putting some initial thoughts out there and we'll, we'll see where things go. But uh, Ben. What do you what do you got for your number number one number two I don't know whatever whatever you want to lead off with go ahead my man Ooh, all right number one um so one of my shows that uh, is great out there it's a premiere show is is just getting better I, I don't know where we're going but Better Call Saul started uh, about a month ago or so and I'm up to episode five this is a show that is continuing continuously delighting and showing people how to do a prequel show, you know, in a world where a lot of people are taking IPs and, you know, making them their own world, like either doing sequels or prequels. This show is delightfully not riding off the coattails of breaking bad and is all about, you know, Walter White making methamphetamine a side character. It is a side character, but the characters are so interesting. I prefer it at this point over breaking bad. Mm. And, and and that might be a little bold statement, but to me, Breaking Bad was kind of one-sided as far as plot. Um, you know, of course, the characters on Breaking Bad are fantastic, and that's why I love this show as well. Um, but you're getting a lot of characters that are spilling over to this show. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil who came into the show finally at episode four, but it is a major player in Breaking Bad, a major player. And they're using him, same actor plays him in everything, and they're using him so well that you're just like, oh my god, it's great. You get a little more insight. So it's it's evil, it's um, elevating Breaking Bad, but also it's adding its own kind of spice to it. Um, have you guys watched this show? What are your thoughts on Breaking Bad? I know we had the Breaking Bad movie that came over the winter. What are your thoughts on how that show is held up? What, anything. What do you got, uh, Chris? Wait, wait, wait. Go back. Yeah. There was a Breaking Bad movie? Yeah, El Camino came out on Netflix. I never watched it. I should probably watch it. Yeah, it was a, it was a sequel movie that came out. It was about Jesse Pinkman. Oh, all right. I'll have to do that. Yeah. But, uh, um, Lynette, what do you think? What do you think about uh, Breaking Bad? Uh, I liked Breaking Bad, but I had to force myself to watch it. It was one of those things that I started watching it, and then I was like, oh, this is, this is, I can't watch this now. And, like, I put it on the shelf for about two years. Yeah. And then came back and finished binging it, and I was like, I like it. Um, what were your then, thoughts on it? I, I had some problems with it, actually, myself. I I think you're right. I think it's very one-sided. Um, I, there was definitely a lot of the side characters I wanted explored more in Breaking Bad itself. But it's interesting that you mentioned Better Call Saul because I just had this conversation with somebody today saying how uh, the first season was hard to get through, but the last couple of episodes was worth it. And now this season is really just taking it up another notch. And they're really excited about it, um, which then gave me more intrigue to actually watch it. Um, but yeah, Breaking Bad, I think, was a, a showbreaker in that moment. And maybe I wasn't as excited because I didn't watch it when it was actually airing. Right. But that was that was part of the thing of it. That was one of the last shows to watch every Sunday or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I could take like I'm just like meh about Breaking Bad. Um 
Yeah, let me just tell you though, like Saul, um, there's a couple characters, including Saul and um, a couple people in the main characters that are making such interesting choices, character choices, that the show really doesn't have a villain. It doesn't have a villain or a hero at all. It and one of the characters this season who was pretty much perceived as a villain actually did a good thing and it was so genuine that the other characters on screen were shocked and i don't know if i've ever seen that in a, sh- a tv show and i was shocked i had to pause it and go i can't believe that character just did that so i, I just love how they're taking this thing that should be oh well we all know what happens to salt in the breaking bad so who gives a shit it should be this one thing that we're like who cares but i don't know for me for my money it's great chris what, what are your thoughts well um Again, awkward. Uh, I've I've never seen Breaking Bad. Mm. <laughs> watched. I watched. It's almost half- like I knew that, and I brought it up. <laughs> you brought it up. I I did. I watched halfway through the first season, and then I don't know what happened. I got caught up with other stuff, and I just I I never got back to it. But yet, uh, it's the show. It's one of those shows that's on my list of like, I got to get back to it. But I also. I feel like it's a show that I need to devote time to. I can't just mm. put it on in the background while I'm working because I just I, no. I think it deserves more than that. So yeah. uh, eventually I'm going to get back to it, I promise. And then I'm going to get on board with Better Call Saul because I agree 100% with you, Ben. I've heard from every Breaking Bad fan uh, has said the same thing you'd have about how fantastic uh, this show is. And obviously being a huge Bob Odenkirk fan, um, obviously I want to take in as much as I possibly can of the man. So... Yeah, I mean, it's including Odenkirk. Little Women, right? Wait, is it... <laughs> right, but like, I mean, Odekirk is just amazing. He's producing the show. He's just running the show like crazy. He's, I don't know, he's playing multiple timelines of himself in the future, in the past, uh, losing weight, gaining weight. It, it, it's amazing. It's an amazing performance from. You know, let's let's be honest. A writer for SNL slash comedian, who turned actor, and his acting mm-hmm. performance is one of the best on TV, if not the best running right now. And uh, I don't follow the Emmys or the Golden Globes. I mean, has he won for Saul? No, <laughs> that's a that's a crime. Nominated, <laughs> like, I think. But yeah, oh, I think he, he was nominated. Won. Okay, that's a but yeah. that's a crime that he hasn't won because his performance is so good and just. <laughs> raw and real and and but you know what i love about it is listen i'm a giant mr show fan as i've said multiple times on the air um that he's not scared to use his comedy it's not like he's like okay this is jim carrey's serious movie or adam sandler's serious movie he's he's making jokes as the character you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so he's not scared to put that comedy on, but it's appropriate. It lends to the character. The character itself is funny. But then the show is smart to use that comedy as biting. Or, you know, his character will make jokes or do things that he thinks is funny, but it becomes it comes off so awkward and he he breaks relationships everywhere. It's it's great. I cannot recommend the show anymore. I'm all in. It's one of the shows that I always get. This in billions are just I'm all in on this one. It's just I can't wait to see where they go. I think Breaking Bad went seven seasons. We're on five, season five, so probably a couple more of this show. Um, but this show could just keep going. I, I love it. So, Lynette, what do awesome. you got this week? Good stuff. Uh, so I'm going to bring it back to the COVID-19. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, <laughs> but 
I'm going to bring it back in a different way. So I have some friends uh, that I do my movie club with for the Oscars and stuff. And we decided to keep it going, even though Oscars are over. And uh, the first movie that we came back to because of the COVID-19 stuff uh, is Contagion. So we all got together at a friend's house. Literally, we walked in the door. She made us wash our hands. Um, She gave us all individualized bowls of popcorn um, and snacks. We weren't allowed to uh, cross-contaminate. But we watched the Steven Steven Sonnenberg, right? Mm -hmm. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. Uh, 2011 movie, Contagion again. And have you guys both seen it? So no. when it came out, it's terrifying. It is terrifying to rewatch during because I was like, yeah, that's right. Oh, I was like, oh, fuck, that's right. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. I was like, oh, wait, now we're getting into the wrong part. OK. Oh, no, no, they're back to right. It was ridiculously scary. And to back it up, there is a New York Times article <laughs> that Contagion uh, <laughs> is like the number one crime rental right now. <laughs> well, they're doing it on the rewatchables as well. So that's yeah. got to be pulling it too. That's crazy. So, uh, but they were talking about how, and it was interesting because what we did and in, in this article relays, the article is written by um, Wesley Morris and it was written on March 10th. Um, it, it relays about like, we actually were looking to it for answers about how, government and our our places should be handling this and and what would happen and the funny thing was is my group of friends and I were looking to it we're like okay so is this how the government is going to handle this and then we were like at the end of the movie we're like wait a minute what about the stock market what about places closing (laughs) what about the future economic growth (laughs) Um, and so it's interesting how Sonnenberg just kind of looks at the actual contagion portion, but not all that other stuff. So my question to you guys is, have you been finding that your friends and family have been watching more of these like uh, viral movies like 28 Days Later, Outbreak, the pandemic on um, on Netflix or in the band Plays On, which is another one that I love. Oh, great movie. Um, great movie about these major viruses that kind of come in and wipe people out. And then we have these things. Have you, have you been having friends and family do that? Or is this just me and my weird troop of friends? <laughs> well, I've been doing it. Uh, I, I watched <laughs> I, some genius in Netflix decided to put outbreak on the streaming network this week. And uh, so I, I watched uh, outbreak a couple of days ago Um but no, you know, I, I, I've tried, I've, I actually watched, um, and, and the band played on, um, not because of this, but I watched it probably within the last year. Um, mm-hmm. and just, you know, it's a movie that's very, you know, stays with you and, yeah. uh, you, you start thinking about how, you know, the government responds to these types of things. And, uh, you know, it was not lost on me when I saw all these long time, long tenured Republicans. Um, saying, you know, oh my gosh, you know, got to take care of this pandemic immediately. And then you're like, eh, you know, <laughs> kind of slow, kind of slow on the AIDS thing. So, right. um, you know, that was not lost. <laughs> <on me. laughs> oh, so <laughs> if it's going to kill you, you're yeah. down to fix it. Right. But Exactly. And, and some of these guys have been in office since that time. So, 
Um, yeah, that that was not lost on me. But yeah, I, I've I've watched a couple. But like as I said earlier, I've watched so many zombie movies that I feel like I know how to take care of myself right now. Uh, I got a couple uh, that just floated across my mind. Uh, Chris, you're very familiar with the outbreak episode of Animated Clerks. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. When they complain about the burger and write them a letter, and then if you deliver this, that's our last wish. Okay, then. You guys ready to die? Uh, yes, that's <laughs> that's always on my mind. Um, also, actually, uh, what's really weird is the movie or the show The Outsider was mm. kind of the villain was kind of a a bad guy. Yeah. Or a, a virus. Sorry. We still my number two, dude. Can't, Sorry, can't, no, no. Well, that that was my that was my throw up. But the one thing I want to talk about, the one thing I want to talk about, is a movie probably you guys haven't seen. So I am a giant George A. Romero nerd, the guy that directed Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, he did After Night, Before Dawn. He did a couple movies, and one of the movies was called The Crazies, mm-hmm. which was remade with Timothy Oliphant uh, about ten years ago or so. Um, the Timothy Oliphant movie is good, but they kind of made the people zombies um, that catch a virus or whatever. And so it didn't really work in the original crazies, 1973. Um, I actually posted this on a Facebook group called movies. So bad. They're good, uh, which is a great little group. Um, so in the 73 version, what happens is people catch this virus and it affects their brain almost like syphilis and they end up in almost psychosis. So, Ooh. They there's this rash of domestic violence and it's in this small town, Pennsylvania. And so the first responders are like, okay, well, this guy shot his wife. That was kind of weird. And then another guy does it. And then another guy does it. And they're like, wait, I know this guy. He was on the volunteer fire department. They're married forever. Like, and so they start realizing that it's the virus, not these people like engaged in a domestic violence situation. And so the, the government reacts and actually does a mile radius qu- quarantine around this Pennsylvania town, which is eerily similar to New Rochelle in New York. Mm. Um, this movie has fortune told this situation in 1973. And listen, this movie is slow. The pacing's a little off. The actors are all amateurs, which is kind of awesome. And a couple of them spill into Dawn of the Dead. Um, but it's one of my favorite movies. And it kind of, it's not a scary movie per se, but it's scary in the sense that it sits with you, especially now. That's all I can think about um, is so the 1973 version of Crazies, if you can find it, I think I have it on VHS. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can find it somewhere on the internet, check it. It's probably on YouTube for free, but it's so great. And, um, yeah, like, you know, like Chris was saying, this isn't a zombie epidemic because I can, you know, if zombies come out, you guys come over to my place. We'll, we'll take care of business. <laughs> uh, so also interesting CDC fact, syphilis is on the rise again, just to let you know. And because it's really painless when you first get it, a lot of people are going into the second and tertiary stage, which is God. that crazy. Just a little FYI out there. Wrap it up when you have sex. That's right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> excellent excellent all right uh well my number two this week uh, you know i guess you could say in a way uh, coronavirus you know kind of took away the headlines from this but this past week we saw harvey weinstein mm. finally mm. get his just due so to speak uh and i i will say shockingly uh he was sentenced to 23 years in prison for um 
uh, forcible sexual acts uh, and non-consensual, you know, sex uh, and rape. So, um, wow. I mean, a lot so of people... So shocking that he got sentenced or shocking... Shocking at the length. I mean, the maximum oh. he was going to get uh, sentenced was 29 years. That's what a lot of people were saying. It was 29 years. Uh, and a lot of people were expecting less than five. A lot of people were five or yeah. less. And right. when the, when it came down to 23... A lot of people were like, oh, my God, like this is and in a good way. Like this normally doesn't happen. You know, the justice in this way usually is not served uh, in a way to, to people like this. So but how long is uh, he going to last in there? Well, that's remains to be seen. I mean, I think for someone of his age and his health, I mean, this is probably a life sentence for him. And yeah. uh, and if he dies in prison, then he dies in prison. That's mm-hmm. well, I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, but I guess you could say my hope is that this sentencing will hopefully lead to a, a new wave of uh, not even, I don't even say allegations, but just actual investigations and prosecutions of um, sexual assault and misconduct in any industry or every industry. I, I really do hope that this inspires a wave of, of finally kind of bringing justice to uh, these perpetrators. But uh, I just wanted your folks' thoughts on uh, on this and, and everything. So Lynette, let me start with you. I mean... I, uh, I, I'm happy that he got sentenced appropriately. I think the 23 years is appropriate. Um, honestly, I, as a woman, I tend to be pretty, not sarcastic, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sardonic about it? It's it's not. I feel like that's the wrong word too. Um, it's one of those things that it's like, all right, I'll believe it when I see it. And so this gave me a little bit of hope. However, it's one out of how many. Um, so if I get if we get a run on it, I'll be happy. And then I'll think things are actually changing. Um, but right now I'll take it as a single feather in the cap. But it's not going. I know it's not creating the whole hat, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Ben, how about you? Uh I, I definitely cheered when I saw this headline when I woke up. I was like, good. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't want to say I'm conflicted at all. Don't, don't Do not quote me. I'm, I'm conflicted. Um, but in the as far as entertainment, uh, Miramax was a company that brought us some of my favorite movies from the 90s. So it is weird to rewatch these movies like Clerks or Pulp Fiction and have that Miramax logo roll up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, he was in the industry for a long time, but on the other hand, the reality was he was doing some awful shit at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's probably the same kind of conflict that people have not conflict. I want to use like a different word, like the, the mixed, not mixed feelings either. Cause he should go to prison. Screw him. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely, um, here's a person that was massively talented at producing talent uh, it's very similar, Chris, to Ben Vereen, a talented man, but mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. God, what an awful person. So it's kind of like, or R. Kelly or Michael Jackson, any of these things. Here's this person that brought us years of entertainment and turned out behind the scenes that, you know, what was going on, no amount of entertainment can equal the pain he put women through. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, so in no way I want to say that I'm conflicted, but it is kind of like a weird thing moving forward when I watch it and listen, I know that 
and Kevin Smith has spoken out about this on his pods and stuff like that. And I think even QT has said a couple of things. Um, you know, what are you going to do? He was a guy that was producing their movie. It's not like he made the movie with them and they were standing there. But I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. Well, it's the whole idea of do you separate the artist from the art? Uh, when you look at, um, you know, you when you look at things like Roman Polanski and, well, Roman Polanski is different because he just totally evaded his stuff. But uh, who am I thinking of? Like, isn't there a famous artist that used to, like, beat his wife's and – but like he's a famous artist and how do you separate that? And like, can you separate that? And should you separate that? I mean, those are the things that we're asking is, is like now that we, now we know that these people in their private lives are terrible people. The, the things that they've put into the world that have inspired and or created creativity and other things, how do you, how do you justify or, should you justify liking the material and um, and continuing to enjoy the material, even though you know what's going on in the background to get that material made? Does that make sense? Totally. Totally sense. I mean, and the thing is, these things are so well documented sometimes that, you know, when we're watching some of these past works, they, they sync up with the dates of when a lot of this abuse happens. So like, um, I can't, I mean, I haven't, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched a single Kevin Spacey property since oh, all this I stuff went down. I can't, I can't even I can't. bring myself. I, I can't. can't. And I loved, I loved a lot of his work. I loved house of cards. I can't, I can't rewatch it. And the problem is that when you go back and you look at Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, that movie, which I adored. I mean, that's, that's a movie you could get me to watch a hundred times in a row. Literally two months after he made that movie, that's when that Anthony Rapp thing went down. So right. it's it's one of those like you can't even watch these people in that time because then it's like, oh, gosh, they were doing it when they made that movie, so to speak. Um, and that's it's, and, and it's, selfishly, yeah. selfishly, you know, I like to when I go to see a movie, especially for the pod or I want to review it and, and spout off my opinions. I want to go in there with like a clean slate. Like yeah. I'm, not, I'm not thinking about anything, just this movie. And selfishly, it distracts you from watching a movie. Mm-hmm. That's ultra selfishly. I I have to admit, I, I personally, as being separate enough from it, I purposely avoid the information about the cases because I don't want to be spoiled about certain things, which is terrible because then I'm not supporting my fellow women or my fellow uh, LGBT queer community. But there's also that thing where I'm just like, I just really don't want that. Like my, I will like, I know Chris, you and I disagree on this. Michael Jackson, I will forever listen to off the wall and thriller. And I, I can't, and I refuse to give up Michael Jackson. He was such a part of my growing up and who I am today because of the music he made and the music that was in my house. That's not to say that I don't feel for the, his victims. And I, I wish that he had gotten proper um, penance or he had gotten proper uh, uh, punishment, yeah. punishment for it. But he's one of the few that I'm not going to stop listening to just because he did. He means so much to me. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to your point, I think you can certainly, 
I think it's fine to feel that way. I mean, I think you know, Michael Jackson is, I think, one of those few um, examples of of really where that tr- there truly is that conflict of separating the the artist from the the creation, if you will, the the art. Um, now, will I? Am I going to buy any of his albums? No. Am I going to purchase anything that's related to Michael Jackson? No. If if something comes on the radio and it, or like if I'm listening to something and a song pops on, sure, I'll listen to it. I'm not going to turn it off and be like, no, refuse to listen. <laughs> shutting my ears off. La, 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 la. I'm not going to Wait, you mean I shouldn't be doing that with R. Kelly's songs? Right. I did, <laughs> I did that. Well, maybe I did R. That Kelly. The other, I did that the other day with Michael Jackson, to be honest. Did you? Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, I just changed the channel. I, I couldn't just even, change the channel. I, I couldn't even do it. There you go. Question, you which go. song was it? Um, Man in the Mirror. See, to me, that's almost valid because that is around the time of the Alize- Alize- accusations. Alize? Yeah, Alize. <laughs> Alize. Um, so I can understand that because I would probably do that as well. I, I because just, that's yeah, right I around just Macaulay Culkin. I don't know. It's gross. I, I stated on the pod before, we, can, we should just... Uh, you know, we should just treat "Eat It" and "Fat" like the real songs. Like the real Michael songs, Jackson. Yeah. We're the we're the parody. <laughs> so and, you can still yeah. listen to "Eat It" and "Fat." That's it. And, can you and we're to gonna Great Walls of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, marrying your cousin, yeah, right? Thirteen-year-old uh... cousin. Let's. Oh. Let, I mean, I mean that is. I don't. Not to defend it. I'm not. I don't. Believe me, I'm not defending. I'm just adding context. Um. I don't know, maybe 1950. When, when was it? 1950, early 60s? Yeah. Yeah, 59. <sighs> maybe a different time? No, I don't know. No. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I'll be honest with you. I'm not a Jerry Lou Lewis fan. Yeah, um, I'm Johnny Cash <laughs> and Elvis before him. Yeah. yeah so I don't think anybody out there is huge Jerry well, Lou Lewis. Did Elvis have to wait a year before he could marry Priscilla because wasn't she on the cusp? Maybe. But hey, maybe. at least he waited a year. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that- Steven Tyler married a girl that was like, I think, 14 or 15 and then had it, her parents sign the rights over to him so he could do it. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> he said that on the Howard Stern interview. I, I listened to that. That was real. Oh, geez. Well, you know, I, again, I think I think it each to your point, Lynette, I think each individual case should be looked at individually. I don't think there's a blanket like you did yeah. this and therefore you're you're a monster. Like, I don't think we should be labeling, labeling everybody monsters and then, you know, angels and things like that. And that's why, that's why for someone I, I truly am conflicted about is Aziz Aznari because um, I didn't like the way that his thing was reported um, mm-hmm. as someone who reports these things. I, I, that, that website, which I don't even know if it's still up or not. I can't, I don't know. Uh, they broke a lot of the, journalistic rules that a lot of other publications go by when it comes to these things. And I also I didn't feel forgiven. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I feel like what his situation was, wasn't forcible rape. Wasn't sexual to my, my mind, it wasn't sexual assault. It was what he thought was a consensual act found out later. It wasn't, he came out immediately and apologized. And um, yeah, I, I don't think you, you can't put him in the Louis CK Harvey Weinstein um, category in that range, but again, like I said, look at look at everything individually, and I'm not going to judge anybody who feels differently, mm-hmm. or you know, based on their experience. But needless to say, like I said, I hope this does change things. I know Broadway's 
is going to have their their reckoning soon. It's mm-hmm. coming. Um, I know that for a fact. It's coming, and so uh, you know Broadway's going to feel it pretty soon. But um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this leads to some justice being served. That's all I can say. So, um, all right, Ben, what's yeah. your number two this week? My number two, uh, I went and uh, checked out uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie. Uh, the reason why I had to check it out, I mean, listen, speaking of Miramax, I'm a giant uh, Kevin Smith fan from way back and uh, fan of the pod. And, you know, he has a very similar pod to us who talks about entertainment and stuff. Uh, but the state of Kevin Smith has been waning. Uh, but, you know, he is self-deprecating. Uh, the best part of this movie was he was able to make fun of himself. He plays Silent Bob in the movie, and he plays Kevin Smith, who is made fun of mercilessly, which is really great. Um, it brought back all of the cast of Clerks. It brought back uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, like all these crazy people that have starred in all of his movies. Um, it was, you know, him taking a poke at himself. But the reason why I brought this up, uh, and and my quick review of it is, it's really not a good movie. If you're a fan, go check it out. You'll laugh at some of the inside jokes, but. Let me tell you, uh, Kevin, if we ever meet someday, I'm sorry about this biting review. Uh, the first 10 minutes of this movie were amateur hour. It was Ooh. painful to watch. Wow. Wow. Um, the first 10 minutes, which is really where you want to set up your whole movie. I, I'm no screenwriter, but I've taken screenwriting. And uh, first 10 minutes of your movie, you want to set up your, your whole thing. And it does, but in a very kind of amateurish way. And in a forced kind of orchestrated soundtrack cartoony way, and it was really off and not funny, it was hard to get through the first 10. Once you got into the movie, I'm not going to spoil anything, there are really funny, legit funny parts. And I was like, okay, that's funny. That's really funny. And some commentary on society, some commentary. And bringing back characters that we love. It was great. Uh, Rosario Dawson was in it. It, it, it was great. There was great parts of it. Now, the reason why I bring this movie up, uh, a couple reasons, but uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot screening beats Avengers Endgame box office record. So they didn't beat the box office record for, um, you know, the overall for making two bill or something like that. But it beat the box office record for how much money it made in a single screening. So as you know, uh, Kevin Smith released this movie uh, while touring around America. So mm-hmm. he, you couldn't go see the movie just out in the theaters. You had to go pay for tickets to go see the movie with Jay and Silent Bob, Jamie Hughes and Kevin Smith, and then they would talk afterwards. So you were paying, buying a ticket for a show. You know what I mean? So the ticket was probably like 100 150 bucks a screening to go watch the movie and then do the Q&A and the panel and everything. I think so, it was like 55 where we were in Albany. Right, right in Albany. Right, right, right. Um, so in one theater... The movie made $93,520 mm. out of one theater. And um, the the highest gross out of one theater the Endgame made was 60000 Wow. So that is really neat. Um, what I wanted to bring, why I wanted to bring this up, and here we are talking about how movies are dying and stuff. Is this the new way to release an independent film? Imagine this. A movie like The Lighthouse that came out last year, one of my favorite movies of the year that got snubbed. Um, imagine this. Instead of it just being released to these small theaters, imagine that Willem Dafoe and Robin Pattinson sold tickets 
and the director sold tickets to do a Q&A and a panel after the movie, almost like a Comic-Con panel, and you bought tickets for like 50 bucks to go see the movie and talk to them. Is this the future of cinema? Because that would be really cool, a cool way to have a, a, a kind of a show. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I think it is interesting that they did it with a new show because I know locally we've been getting it a lot with older shows. So, like, we mm-hmm. had The Princess Bride come through with um, right. the dude that played um, the the pirate. Um, oh, uh, Carrie Elways? Yeah. And then uh, what was the other big one that we had that I missed? It sold out so quickly. Um it was another big sci-fi one that they were able to get one of the major people with. Um, was it Battlefield Earth? No. John Travolta came out with Barry no. Pepper? And Zizzle's Mizzizzle. Um, no. Uh, but it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't Shatner. Oh. But it was somebody like in that generation. Yeah. Um, but like it did really, really well. Um, so... I think people would be more willing to take a chance on coming out to see a new movie if you're also paying for the personalities with it. If that makes sense. Like if you have the opportunity to talk or hear them talk with it, I think people might be more willing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What are your your thoughts on this? You know, I I think anything to make, I, I, I mean, we're kind of living in this, this society where people want, more insight, more information as much as possible. And yeah, I think events like that would be huge. I mean, I know that, you know, in New York city, um, when, when some of these new movies are coming out, they do these like special screenings for SAG members and, or, you know, other union members that, you know, you go watch the movie and there's a Q and a with the cast afterwards. Like that's how, um, I don't know if I ever told you this. That's how I got to see return of the King was went to the city Good awesome. friend Angie, a mutual friend Angie, got us uh, passes to to go see Return of the King, and then I had a Q and A with all the Hobbits and Andy Circus afterwards. Oh. And I freaked out, um, <laughs> and I got to talk to uh, Sean Astin about Rudy, which was awesome. So those things happen, and I, I think if they can happen for regular fans, um, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I think it makes for a memorable experience. It builds fan bases. It builds interest in your in your film. Um, do it. Why not? Especially now that if you look at the prices of movie tickets versus the prices of live theater shows, if you can if you can combine or close that gap. I mean, the other day we went uh, when one of the big movies came out. We went to IMAX in an RPX. It was an IMAX RPX. I spent twenty five dollars on a ticket. Oh, right. For a movie where I could have, if that was the case, if I had seen it with somebody talking about it, I could have paid 50. I would have rather paid the 50 than the 25. You know? Hmm. Lynette, you sound like you're in a tunnel. Yeah, what's going on? Sorry, I was trying to get comfortable and I laid down. Let me readjust. Don't don't lay down. (laughs) (laughs) Are you in the tunnel? Get up. Yeah. Are you safe? (laughs) I'm safe. Uh, So, uh, yeah. You know, and Lynette, I mean, you joined me on the uh, the Beyond, mm. where the uh, you I'll know. I'll never do that again. Right, exactly. Where, but here's another thing: where we went to go see a movie from 1983, but the person that scored the movie performed with a live band. So why not? And I think those tickets were 25 or 30 bucks. 
But then you got a live full band in front of your movie playing the score live. You can't beat that. If you're going to pay for 25 bucks just for a regular showing in super effects surround sound, you got a full band for 25. And I just think this is the way, I mean, one of the first times I saw this was up at the palace theater. They had the director of street trash who was also in uh, Dawn of the dead who made document of the dead. Um, uh, who did a, a running commentary through the movie. Uh, and so Street Trash is... Are you guys familiar with the movie Street Trash? No. no. Um, classic. Uh, crazy, gory movie. Uh, let us uh, let me break down the plot. Uh, there's this old bottle of uh, moonshine, bootleg moonshine in the back of a liquor store in New York City, and uh, the guy starts selling it for a dollar, and everyone that drinks it uh, turns into melted zombies and starts like killing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great flick. Uh, so, but the guy brought, you know, he did, signed autographs. I have his autograph in the basement and he did a running commentary through the movie, like talking about the effects, like when someone would start melting, he would talk about how they did it. It was fascinating. And the guy, um, he recorded it live for the commentary on the DVD. It was great. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So Very for cool. me, that that's why I brought up this, this Kevin Smith movie is he might be onto something. I mean, imagine he just releases movies like this. You know, and so he has a fan base for him as a director, and anything he releases, people will go see. So it's it's kind of genius. I'm all for it as long as he's still capable of doing a good movie. That's my. Uh, <laughs> oh, they, my they definitely made fun of Cop Out in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> did they make fun of Tusk too? Because oh yeah, oh yeah, they totally good did. Lord. Good lord, um, and I got to meet Justin Long once because I directed his brother in a play. Nice. And I, I mean, nicest guy ever. But I went up to him like, so Justin. Can, can we talk about Tusk real quick? <laughs> he, just, he just started laughing. But uh, anyway, um, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Lynette, what's your number two? My number two this week is to talk about uh, an HBO series, which hopefully I'm not uh, ruining any previous pods that I may have missed. Uh, the Outsider. Ben alluded to it earlier. Um, I am totally enthralled with it, excited that it's coming out for a second season. It just finished its first season. Um, your Chris's girlfriend, Cynthia Erivo's in it. Yeah. Um, and she does a fantastic job. Um, and I just, I'm excited to see where this goes. And I'm not one for horror necessarily, as Ben can attest to. Um <laughs> But you don't like this, tarantulas biting someone's face up. No. Uh, but this was this was thrill. It was more thriller-esque. And I'm learning an appreciation for Stephen King, which actually makes me want to go back and watch more Stephen King stuff. Um, because I'm starting to think that he's not horror, that he may actually be thriller with the guise of horror. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll If you're going to do that, let me recommend some things to because like the thing with Stephen King based movies is I, I would say like one out of five are really good, um, mm. and then there's four that are really bad. Uh, that'll make, you that'll destroy about? your hypothesis. What are, what are you talking about? I mean, as long as I want to know, I cannot stand here and have <laughs> you badmouth the movie Maximum Overdrive. Okay, well, one that, of the greatest <laughs> films of all time. <laughs> That was a Stephen King movie? I'm out of here. All right, I'm going. <laughs> I'm quitting um, the pod. That's it. I mean, I was, I was talking about things like, you know, the Longoliers or like the uh, needful things. Great. Uh, good Great. Lord. 
I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about maximum overdrive with the mighty duck man himself, (laughs) Emilio Estevez. (laughs) Lynette, you know what? I'll put that in the good. I'll put that in the good side. (laughs) But like things like things like Pet Cemetery Two, like no need, no need. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, you got me on that one. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're fine. I mean, Lena, I think, you know, Stephen King is. I think you're 100 percent right. There's, he he bridges that gap between thriller, suspense, horror, kind of mixing it all in one, and he really is, I think, his own category of literature in a way, you know. Um, and and I think he owns that. Ca- no one's come close in my mind. Like no one has come close in that in that regard but um ben what are your thoughts on that well are we done (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) no lynette i don't know if you were on maybe it was just me and chris but uh katie and i here's a recommendation for you if you really like that uh lynette you ever seen the shining the original yeah okay did you watch dr sleep no okay dr sleep came out with ewan mcgregor last year yeah Um, i know what it's about i know it's the sequel yeah, and it I would equate it. There aren't really scary parts to it, but it's more of a thriller. Okay. And you know what's really great? On Vudu, you can buy the director's cut. I bought it for ten bucks, and uh my god, it was like a mini series. I mean, it was a long thing, but it broke down by chapters, and Katie and I stayed up wicked late watching this thing. It was great. But like you said, it was more of uh I don't know, like almost like the outsider it reminded me of like that sci-fi thriller yeah. kind of vibe. And it was great. You would dig the hell out of it. You got to you got to get Dr. Sleep. You got to. Or you could just give me your voodoo password and I'll just watch yours. Uh, <laughs> uh, that would be highly illegal, madame. And we are not doing that. Uh, don't they have like five profiles? Aren't you not allowed to do that? Jeez. Jeez. I will not consent on air. <laughs> <laughs> Lynette, I'm, I'm just going to give you, okay, here, here's, here's the movies to avoid. Okay. Let's just run it down. All right. Let's start, let's start backwards. Um, cat's eye. Cat's <laughs> Don't eye. Don't you dare. Uh, I love cat's eye. You love that one? What the hell? <laughs> I saw that when I was a kid and I love uh, it. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> this list is going poorly. <laughs> <laughs> um, thinner? No need to watch Thinner. Um, All right. That, yeah. Don't worry about that one. The Mangler? No need to watch The Mangler. Uh, needful things, forget about it. Uh, the lawnmower man, throw it out the window. Uh, Tales from the Dark Side, forget it. What? Wait, that's Stephen <laughs> King. That's Stephen King. Uh, he's one of the authors of that. Um, oh. Graveyard Shift, nope. Yeah, um, right. Creep Show Two. Awesome. One of my faves, <laughs> dude. How <laughs> dare you, Creep Show Two? No, Creep Show One. Fantastic. Stop, stop it. Stop it. Creep Show Two. I'm going to put it out there. Far superior. Far superior. Two sketches in Creepshow 2. Uh, the Raft, terrifying. Do you remember that one, Chris? Yeah, that uh, that's good. Yeah, you're With right. With the kids on the raft. And then the hitchhiker. Thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> so scary. And then Creepshow okay. 1, no doubt, Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson in a horror movie. Come on, get out of here. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, Silver Bullet, no need. Oh, Corey um, Haim. Prime Corey Haim. In a wheelchair. Come on. Come on. Wait a minute. Is uh, Corey Haim in a wheelchair battling a werewolf? Yeah. Yep. I can yep. tell because the title is Silver Bullet. I'm not watching it. 
<laughs> you know, I, 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 hard pass. I honestly, though, I think you're good. 76 to like 84. Oh, you're yeah, golden. Gary, Christine. Yeah. Every Stop, single Gary. Cujo, yeah. Christine, the dead zone, Firestarter, Children of the Corn. You're good. Oh, love Eight, Firestarter. Yeah. 76 to 85. You're, you're, you're fine. Every single one of those movies are good. So. All right, so I've actually seen more than I thought I have. Yeah, you seen all of but Doctor Sleep, Lynette, high, high praise from this guy. Also, no, no rewards this season, but that's fine. You know, I guess we were just awarding whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Great villain in Doctor Sleep. Wait till you meet the villain, Chris. Did you watch Doctor Sleep yet? I have not yet. I hear the the villain's amazing though. The uh, oh, Bobby said it's one of his favorite movie villains, like of the last couple years. Yeah, really good. good to know. Good to know. Uh, Chris, now have you watched The Outsider? No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the that. thing. <laughs> if you have you ever met someone who was so rude to you, unnecessarily rude to you, that you can't stomach any good thing that ever could happen to them? Has that ever happened to you? Actually, yes. And would you like to hear? It's an interesting story. Please. Do you remember back in the day when we were younger, the song before Katy Perry, there was a song called I Kissed a Girl by Jill Sol Buell? Yeah. No. <laughs> it's like, um, I kissed a girl. It sounds very similar, but it's not. I kissed a girl. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Yep, um, yep. I, I remember the video. A, yeah. yeah. It was like, she was, it was weird. Uh, so I was at a free concert with Jill Sol Buell, Deep Blue Something. And I think that there was a third band. <laughs> Deep Blue Something came off the stage. I didn't have the anything. Vertical for Horizon? Probably. Because um, I would have totally been down for that. Uh, <laughs> Deep Blue Something signed my Converse shoe because that's all I had to sign. They had no problems with it. I wow. gave my shoe to Jill Sobule to sign. I said, would you mind please shining my shoe? She goes, this is disgusting. Handed it to the security guard and told the security guard to not give me my shoe back. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. So I had to get the guys from Deep Blue something to get my shoe back. That's awful. Well, now this imagine, is- imagine if you will, Lynette. Yes. Jewel Sobule. Jill. Jill Sobule. Jill Sobule going on to win an EGOT. I'd fucking punch her in her titties. That's that's exactly how I well not the punching of the titties but that's how I that level of yeah of vitriol is what I feel for Cynthia Erivo. Wow, I just that ex, that exact same vitriol. I just like where I cannot feel happy for anything that happens to her. If anything terrible happens to her, there's going to be a moment of well, suits your right bitch and then there'll be like the man that's terrible. But <laughs> wow. You know, yeah. It's it's one of those things where you meet someone in their career, and and again, I'll I'll explain this in detail for everybody. You, in my role as a theatrical journalist, if you will, I tend to get a different perspective and interaction with some of these Broadway people than fans do. I mean, to, a lot of these people to their fans, ninety nine percent of them are amazing human beings. Mm-hmm. To Broadway journalists like myself, I'm going to get a different interaction and. During her Tony run in the color purple, um, she was awful to me. Awful. And 
at the time, she was not really anybody yet. She had done some great stuff on the West End. Mm-hmm. She had just come over to Broadway. This was her first Broadway role. Right. She was Nobody doing, knew who she was. Known who she was. So she hadn't earned that Donna Murphy uh, divaness yet, if you will. And I love Donna <laughs> Murphy, by the way. Um, so she hadn't earned it yet. And yet she was terrible to me and a group of writers who were asking her very reasonable questions. And when she walked off stage, we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, who the fuck does this person think she is? And so, um, and by the way, this was the year that Hamilton was coming out and Lynn and all of his crew who could not have been nicer. I mean, these people were at the top of the world. He seems like a cool dude. He seems really nice. He's the cool, everything you see about Lynn, that's who he is. There you go. (laughs) He winked Um, at me once and I literally almost like fainted. Like, and that was back when he was in the Heights, not even Hamilton. He's a he's a great guy. You know, he called me by my name once, and I I freaked out just like you did. I was like, "Holy shit!" He wrote what? it. He wrote it. Wait, the nine hundred two one zero spinoff? No, that's <laughs> no, not the, the heights. heights. Oh, how do you talk to an angel, Ben? Yeah, uh, how do you? Were those, was that the guy? Was Ray from nine hundred two one zero the other band at the Deep Blue Something concert? <laughs> the heights. Guys That's remember what we that? call callback. That's what we call oh. callback. Anyway. Um, that's another show I'm disappointed that got canceled. The remake yeah, totally. of 9210. But there you go. But see, that's... The, the, but the, those people, like Lynn, amazing people. They had every right... Lynn could have been the biggest dick in the world to me. And I would have been like, sure. hey, you know what? He's earned it. He wasn't. He was awesome. She wasn't. And I will never support anything she does. I will never cheer for her. And if something terrible happens to Cynthia, God forbid... Knock on wood. I'm not hoping that it happens. They put it out there. But if something bad was to happen to her, I'd first say, well, karma. And then I would feel bad. So that's I that's literally think that your your energy and my energy are gonna negate each other. So she'll be like, okay. <laughs> going the rest you know, of her Chris, course. Chris, what you're saying, I mean, you know, you gotta rephrase that a little. You said like, you know, God forbid, but I think that's when you in, you employ the uh, I'm gonna pray for you. <laughs> Just <laughs> break that right out. You know what, Cynthia Rio? I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about. Southern, oh, bless your heart. Yeah, bless I'm, gonna your call, heart. I'm gonna call Jesus for you. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, you know what? I'm glad that she's having well, her moment. Lynette, listen. All right, moment. let's talk. Let's talk really about the outsider. Go ahead, uh, please. Because all right, besides her, I mean, it's hard to do it besides her because she was one of the greatest characters on a show I in know, she really recent was. memory, and she played it fantastic. But the rest of that cast is fucking phenomenal. I there were scenes, yeah, there were scenes that were so good. And then to see, um, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Who's the guy that played Admiral Krennic? Um, (laughs) Oh, Ben, Ben, um, Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He is so phenomenal on this show, and it was so great to watch him be not a villain. Yeah. And actually have like, you know, a, a well-rounded character. Um, it was great. Uh, the end of the show was great. I mean, I believe we're coming back for another season. Probably yes, one of those things that we don't know when it's coming back because of that cast assembly. It has to be crazy. Um, no, I think they announced that it was going to be spring 2021. Nice. Feel, oh, my God. I that's feel, great. Yeah. I feel like they announced it. They were like, oh, no, no, no. We have a date. We're doing this. That's crazy. I mean, the end of that show uh, reminds me of one of my favorite horror movies um, called Suspiria, where it just yes. it left you with this weird feeling. feeling. 
Yeah, like, okay, just what just happened? I love that. Chris, let me tell you, I know you're not a fan of hers, but listen, you can't hate on uh, Jason Bateman, who produced and directed, I think directed a couple episodes. Yeah, first Uh, two episodes. Yep. He he is phenomenal just as far as putting this show together. And this show went on so many different turns Mm. um, as far as, like, it's a crime drama. It's a sci-fi thing. It's a horror. Supernatural. Supernatural. Supernatural is better. Mm, and, yeah. and just and then it has some disease stuff in it. Has yeah. some paranoia about people. And then there's all these weird kind of angles. Like um, there's a great towards the end. I love the relationship between criminals and cops. Mm. Like there's one, Chris, not spoiling anything, but there's one scene where these cops have to stay at, you know, these people that have a history of legal entanglements, let's put it like that. And so they hate each other on so many levels, but like the criminal dudes are like smoking weed right in the cop's face and stuff. But they, oh my God, it's, there's so many little moments that the actors, as an actor, if, even if it's a small role. You see that in a script, you're like, yum, 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 yum. Give me some of yeah. that. Like, just because it's so filled with so much nuance and the performances are so out of control, down to the smallest character that's like a, uh, I don't know, 10 year old child. Like, there's so many great performances. Mm. This show, I know we're past award season. I think this will be remembered next year, Lynette. What am I am I going crazy yeah. on that one? No, I think you're right. Yeah. And yeah. also, can we discuss the fact that Wendy from the Breakfast Club is in it? Really? Mm-hmm. No, wait, not the yep. Breakfast Club. No. St. Elmo's Fire. Yes. Sorry. Wendy's from St. Elmo's Fire is in it. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mayor Winningham. Yeah. Yes. Yes, she's yes, on Broadway yes. right now. Well, it was on Broadway right now. Uh, no, right. <laughs> she is we'll currently in a month. Oh, yeah, that is that woman. Oh, my God, Lynette. Totally, you just blew my mind. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. And so this cast is out of control. The cast is out of control. The shows, the writing, everything. And, and to write a show like this with so many, not twists. I don't want to say the word twist. Yeah, it's not right. Um, it, it's it's definitely a pretty straight narrative. You're just watching these characters go. There's There's touches of the movie It. In there, um, there's touches of is the right word. reveals. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it was kind of like where I would say there's a lot of twists in the show Watchmen. Right. Um, where this was reveals, you're like, ah, oh, and it just kept you going because, you know, sometimes I was I think I was telling Bobby, you know, sometimes on a murder mystery show, you, you know, you're you're in suspense for the first half and then you find out the villain and then it becomes almost an action movie. Right. Like now mm. we're now it's the we fugitive. Now we're yeah, we're going to chase him through the woods. Um, that never happened for me on the show. The reveals kept going and it kept you just edge of your seat. You didn't know what was happening. Some towards the end of the season, some episodes you were like, oh, my God, like these characters, the characters were the cop characters were still just questioning their reality. Like, what the hell is going on? And most shows you're done at that point. You kind of know, you know, who done it. And now we're going to chase them and it's the bad guy. And here we go. Get the guns. Uh, that doesn't happen in the show. So I think that's a feat in itself. Just kind of teasing out. Like I know in screenwriting and creative writing, they talk about how you want to parcel out your information to your audience. Like, all right, I'm going to reveal this, reveal this, reveal this. They parceled the show out so beautifully. There was only a couple times where I was like, uh, that was a little slow, but overall just a great, 
great season of te- yeah. television. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well, for my number three uh, this week, um, we're going to stay with TV, actually, in a way. Uh, details about the Lord of the Rings TV series for Amazon were released this week uh, before everything kind of went crazy. And uh, we found out that the entire show is going to take place in the second age of Middle-earth, which means um, this is before Aragorn was even born. So if you're hoping for Aragorn and some of these characters that you saw in Lord of the Rings, it ain't going to happen, at least for the first couple oh. of first seasons. So, and so it, wait, Aragorn in Lord of the Rings is a hundred years old, 185. 100, or yeah. 180. I think at least. Yeah. Cause, uh, um, Bilbo is 111th birthday, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So I, I think, I mean, there'll, I, there'll definitely be hobbits in this, but just not, I think it'll be, you know, Bilbo's parents almost, I guess, <laughs> in a way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a little weird for, for people expecting that, but, uh, it sounds promising. They're filming the whole thing in New Zealand, oh, which is, which is great. So, um, Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully not until Gordine. Um, and it's set well, as of right now, it's set for a December 2021 uh, release. The entire cast has basically been announced. I don't recognize a single name except for a couple people That's that fine. are on Game of Thrones. That's fine. Which That's fine. which I'm hundred percent okay with. Exactly. Yep. So um and again, what people need to understand is Peter Jackson has no um relation to this whatsoever. He is not involved one bit so people are thinking that it's going to resemble that that interpretation of that of that story uh it's not it's going to be something completely different and uh i'm looking forward to it ben what are your thoughts i know that i think chris you and i spoke about this uh how this property was hurt by the end of game of thrones and the fall of that but maybe um it's been enough time that we've we're kind of ready for that so by 2021 we'll be we'll be crawling out of our skin for some dragons and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, but, you know, for me, I would love it if this show, you know, because there's been so much great artwork as, cause you know, you're a Lord of the Rings nerd and I'm a Hobbit nerd and stuff. Um, so much great artwork through the years from like German painters and all this stuff that have like, you know, Bilbo being like weird and gangly with long fingers or whatever it is. Um, It'd be really interesting if we got some sort of a different look, like you were saying, mm-hmm. like almost like a, a Guillermo del Toro kind of uh, the Golden Army in uh, Hellboy kind of look. That'd be great if something like that were to break out. Um, I don't know. Lynette, what do you think? Um, yeah, sure. I'd watch it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not like you were saying the third age or second age of and I was like, I don't even remember this character. Oh, how um, dare you? I, I know. I <laughs> Why know. are you even on this pod? <laughs> look, look, I have I have my scopes, I have my fandoms. Lord you have of the your Rings. TARDIS, you have your TARDIS uh, shower curtains. <laughs> right, exactly. We can talk Hoovian all day long. Lord of the Rings, I will watch the movies, I will rewatch them, but to remember their names is like it's like trying to remember the damn Game of Thrones names to me. I, I can't. Like, I'm always like that, you know, that one with the dragons who's got the blonde hair that married the dude that looks like uh, Jason Momoa. Like, that's how I describe Game of Thrones. Like, that's just how well, it he is. Should, he should look like Jason Momoa. For real. Because um, he is. I... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? 
glad we got that on tape. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I do appreciate artwork and I'm glad that you brought up the whole thing about the glingly thing because one of the things that I found in an old antique shop in downstate was one of the original watercolor paintings for the Hobbit book. So Ooh. on my wall, I have an original illustration of the Hobbit um, from a watercolor that I found, framed, matted, everything. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. What a great Anywho, thing. but I will totally watch it because I think you're right. I think we are missing that um, fantasy, that real old school medieval kind of feeling fantasy getaway. Mm. Um, and we, cause there's, there's not really anything on right now, unless you haven't watched Merlin or you haven't watched Game of Thrones. Like you can go back and kind of watch those if you haven't been watching them. But for the people that are caught up on those, there's nothing out there right now for us. Um, right. So yeah, I think it's, I think we're ready. I think it's time. I think we have healed from the ending of Game of Thrones. I don't want to throw things when I talk I about it. So. I think so. So, by the way, I would say, uh, as I say, have you, you know, have you heard about the, not to switch gears, but have you heard about the Doctor Who controversy that, that's going on right now? It's the Doctor Who. No, what, what, what did I miss? <laughs> Apparently, I guess there's a, a streaming network uh, overseas in England that has just made like all the Doctor Who episodes available, like oh, Ooh. all of them, like back to the 1960s or whenever it started. Yeah. Um, the problem is they found out that. A lot of the early seasons, there are a lot of unintentionally racist things that happen. Oh in the yeah. Episode. What do you um, mean? What do you mean? That was that was that was part of the reason why the BBC, because in the fiftieth anniversary year, people wanted BBC to release them, and they wouldn't because of that. They were like, no, 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 no. Like There's- at one point, I guess I read this article. Like on multiple occasions, they call Asian people chinks. Like Whoa. he's like, what a what an obnoxious little chink, and it's like, oh god, like, like yeah. it's bad, it's bad, and so they're they're re, they're needless to say they're rethinking that decision as we speak. So there you go. Well, the interesting thing is, is like, all right, well, okay, so it this is this brings up a valid point because if you think about it, Disney Plus unleashed all of their old movies. Uh, including Peter Pan in its original glorious format where the Native Americans are literally red and they have a whole song that is not very appropriate. <laughs> nope. Like, yep. But they should have released uh, Song of the South. Yeah. <laughs> here, here. So, I mean, the question is, is can people look at it through a time lens and be like, we know this is unacceptable now. Um, we need to learn from this. So we should have access to it or, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't have an answer yeah. to that. It's good, nah, it's good that. argument for another time. We'll see. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Ben, what's your number three? My number three, I haven't been on, on the air in a while. And I had a couple experiences since I've been on the air. And mm-hmm. I went to see Kamasi Washington in Ithaca. I saw that. Um, yeah. And I went with our friend Bobby and let me tell you, so Kamasi Washington is a baritone sax player. He's probably one of the best, I mean, definitely the best sax player in the world, if, if not one of the best jazz musicians in the world. Um, he's out of L.A. Um, he plays with his father and his, literally his friend from like seventh grade on stage. 
And let's let's see. It was a you had Kamasi on baritone. You had his friend who plays the trombone. His dad plays tenor sax slash flute. You have a vocalist, two drum sets, a bass, a stand up bassist, and a piano. Um, I was looking forward to this so bad because he doesn't come out this way a lot. Um, he's an LA based musician. Let me tell you, this concert, and I'm not. Um, and I'm a jazz fan. Don't get me wrong. I have a bunch of jazz records right behind me, but this concert was, I went to a different place during this concert. So when you have, when you have, uh, artists that isn't afraid to go into long format, I mean, some of the songs were 12, 14, 16 minute songs. Um, there's certain points where you go to a different place Mm. and you're just, the music is hitting you so hard that it's you almost lose yourself in like this meditated trance kind of thing. And you have two drummers that are trading back and forth. They're looking at each other. There's so much going on on one stage. And and then the performance itself, the performers are standing there and you can tell they are loving it too. The, the woman that's the vocalist is just so into it. And she's, her voice is perfection. He has, Song. So uh, Bobby and I bought Street Fighter t-shirts because he has a song called Street Fighter Moss. Um, and then uh, we uh, then they have another song called Fists of Fury, which is phenomenal. It's a great and they did a great live version. I mean, I don't think you can find our live version on the Internet, but there's so many live versions on YouTube. And that's why I bring it up. That's kind of a segue thing. Um, but let me tell you about this. So this was at the Ithaca Commons. It was somewhere that we've all been. Uh, a couple times because we went to Elmira. And let me tell you, so Bobby was sitting with his friend in the back, and I was sitting by myself, uh, sandwiched between all these kids. So they might have like an an encore program like we had where they get to go for free or half price. So it was all these kids and me. And there was this this couple, this young couple, and I was sitting right next to it, and they could just tell because I'm, you know, dressed up like an idiot. And you could just tell that uh, the, the girl goes, oh, my God, you're excited for this. I was like, guys. Buckle up because this is you're going to see one of the best jazz performers in the world. I can't believe he's here. Let's do this. And after the first song, they turned to me and said, you weren't joking. This is amazing. And to hear all these younger people to listen to this old format of music and totally get into it, screaming, cheering, ovations. And more importantly, these 20, 21 year olds not on their cell phones at all. They would break out their cell phones just to take a picture and then put them away because the music was that enthralling. Jazz is definitely a music you have to see live. You know what I mean? It's definitely one of those things. Um, Guys, I've booked a couple concerts for the summer coming up. Hopefully it's not interrupted too bad. Um, But what is your most recent live performance of music? Are you excited for any concerts coming up this summer? What's going on in the world of music for you guys? Chris, you want to take this first? Actually, I'm ashamed to say it. It's been a while. Uh, wow. I just, yeah, I used to be a huge concert guy. Um, but jobs, life, kid, I mean, typical excuses, which really aren't excuses, but uh, well, I will hard. say, I, you know, it's, it's hard, but I, I will say, I, I, I guess I went out on a high note. Uh, the last concert I went to was uh, the Police Reunion Tour. Mm-hmm. I came to uh, Rensselaer Stadium up by Yukon. So, nice. Yeah, got to experience it. So if that was my last concert for a while, hey, it's a good one. So That's awesome. Yeah. Lynette, how about you? Uh, My last concert was... Was it NDRE? 
Yeah, I got to see hey, Indiara Rhea Tracing's musical. It was transcendental, man. It was like a it was like a black prayer meeting mixed with music and jazz and it was just it was on point. It was like she was singing just to me. It was amazing. Mm, awesome. Um and then going forward, I really I'm gonna get my stuff in a row. Um I wanna see well, Ben and I talked about Violent Femmes. Yes. And they might be giants. And then I also really want to get tickets to the Hella Mega Tour, Weezer, Green Day, and Fall Out Boy, because my little inner fangirl is screaming about that. Nice. She really wants to rock out. Well, let's hope there are concerts this summer. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I really, have, yeah, I have my tickets gut is for, telling me they will. Yeah. yeah, I have tickets for the Violent Femmes, and then uh, taking the lady to the Zach Brown Band. Ooh. Um, at the amphitheater, Lynette, you can join us for that one too, and that's the the Sunday of right before the Violent Femmes. Okay, <laughs> so that's a little crazy. Yeah, Zach Brown into Violent Femmes. We. Yeah, that's right. It's going all over the spectrum. Nice transition. It's a nice transition. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Uh, Lynette, what's your number three? My number three is actually a series of books. Uh, recently I have been really trying to find some good children's books, uh, for my little six month niece and my two year old, five year old and 10 year old nephew. Nice. Um, cause I want to be the niece that helps or the auntie that helps them read. And as I was wishing this into being a great, um, what was it? Uh, a great. A tool came up and it was an article from uh, readbrightly.com where they actually listed Black Boy Joy, 30 picture books uh, featuring black male protagonists. But the cool thing is, is that it's actually from baby all the way up to tween. Um, And some of the books uh, I knew about and other ones I didn't. Um, So if you have um, kids that are looking for alternative um, protagonists that aren't the traditional white uh, light-skinned protagonists, um, and you're you've already got all the Ezra Keats that your your little library can handle. Um, there's some great books on here um, about uh, different things and trying to teach young black men how to grow up to be great people. Um, so, and also some historical figures too. So like, uh, there's one called, he's got his whole world in his hands. Um, and it's based on the old spiritual. Um, but it uh, follows a boy and his family and the message of song, rejoicing with the beauties of the natural world. So it's interpreted to um, talk about climate t- change. Uh, Double bass blues is the young boy named Nick, who's devoted to his music uh, from his school days playing in the orchestra to his evenings performing in his granddaddy's jazz club. So there you go, Ben. Uh, awesome. It's for four ages, four, ages four to eight. Um, and then for the older ones, um, there's Octopus Stew, which looks really kind of cool. Uh, Piora Bella Award and the Coretta Scott King Award winner for Eric Vasquez brings a much-needed Black Latinx representation to children's literature with his characters. Um, in Octopus Do, a young boy saves his grandmother from a giant octopus with wit and bravery. Uh, meanwhile, the book celebrates the traditions of oral storytelling and tall tales swapped among family. 
Um, those are just a few. Um, but it was really exciting to see somebody actually having gone through this and really kind of um, uh, compiled a list so it's a little easier to find. Because I know it can be overwhelming when you walk into um, a bookstore and you're trying to look for stuff and there's all these books and then you have to like weed through to figure out what you need. Whereas now if you have a list, you can just kind of walk in. Um, and it was, like I said, readingbrightly.com and it was uh, Sharnay Gordon was the compiler of the book list. So I wanted to bring that out and talk to people because I also love reading children's books. So do you guys still read? I mean, you guys both have children, so you have a reason to read children's books. I'm the weirdo in the back, the adult that just reads children's books. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you guys think? Do you guys find it hard to find children's books that you want to bring home to your children? You know, it's Ben, I, you, both our kids are actually very similar in ages. I think we're yep. Yep. You know, six months apart. So what what's interesting is um, my son is actually with his library day. He's, he's picking out the books to bring home, which is great. So uh, a lot of times I don't have to worry about that, which is, is awesome. But I, I will say because we're all theatrical people, um, you know, our, our kids truly do benefit from that, you know, when it comes to reading these books, because I find myself doing a lot of acting, a lot of character yeah. work yes, when I'm reading these books. And I'm sure you do too. Oh, yeah. But trust me, Auntie gets asked to read a lot, even though she messes up the words constantly. I think it's because she does multiple voices. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, for me, uh, for younger kids, I was just telling uh, one of my coworkers, you have to get involved in the Dolly Parton free book program. Hmm. You know about that, right, Lynette? No. Oh, my God. So when it goes from ages like... Lynette, you're in a tunnel again. Yeah, hello. I'm right here. I'm sorry. My cat got in front of my mouth. I didn't realize it was affecting me. Good Lord, what's happening in your house? Well, uh, so uh, the Dolly Parton program is... I'm going to scream through this tunnel, uh, is talking about... <laughs> Uh, it goes from ages like really zero to five. Um, Chris, did you do this as well? No, I don't think oh, I did. So this was at like one of our local farmer's markets. So it's a free program. It's the Dolly Parton Foundation, which helps little kids read. And she once a month, she like herself, but her foundation <laughs> sends you a free book. And it's a children's book. And you, you give the age to the foundation. And once a month, it sends a picture book. And it goes from picture books to reading to everything. And then the most devastating thing happens at around age five, right before kindergarten, you get this letter from Dolly herself saying, you're all grown up. I loved watching you successfully read with us. We wish you the best on the rest of your life. And I like broke down and cried. It was horrible. Um, so it like, it like walks you through like the stages of development and all the books are classic books. And Deacon loves them all and like has them memorized. So if anyone's out there and like right now, Deacon's six, so he's on Captain Underpants. Captain Underpants is awesome. So, yeah, it's, so yeah. that's great character. If you like getting the character, you gotta write read those books. <laughs> well, we, we just started Harry Potter in my household. So nice. I'm I'm really getting into the voices. I, I gotta work on my British dialects though, because that's how's your Snape? I you know what I'm I'm straight up doing an Alan Rickman impression straight up like that's ah, Mr. McLean <laughs> like hello I, I, I am doing all the voices yeah 
Love it. Oh my gosh. Good stuff. Good stuff for number three. Why do you bring books into this discussion? We don't do that enough here. Wow. Um, I'll bring in all the books, kids. Bring all the books. All right, folks. Let's do it. Let's go YouTubing this week. Go YouTubing, baby. All right, real quick. I've just got a quick one. I talk about unlikely uh, entertainment, but I don't know if you've seen this. Kevin James uh, is is doing stuff on YouTube. He's got. I don't know what he's promoting. If he's if he's doing like a whole new entertainment kind of thing with podcasting, but he's he started releasing these very short videos on YouTube that are about two minutes long. They're short films. And yet every single one of them is hilarious. And I'm like, I didn't know he was, he, he was capable of this. So like he does this thing called um, sound guy where he pretends to be the boom mic operator for very like iconic, intense scenes and movies. Like uh, he's the sound guy for like when the Joker and in, in the Joker like freaks out in the bathroom. Um, and he's like in the stall with a boom mic or like, <laughs> it's, it's very good. He does this other thing called, um, uh, I, I can't remember the title, but it's like unintentional wave where he plays a guy that's like getting in his car and this guy waves at him and he thinks he's waving at Kevin James. So Kevin James waves back and he realizes that, no, he's just waving at the guy behind him. He's all, de- he's all depressed about it for like a week. <laughs> so, so if you get a chance, uh, yeah, check that out. It, it's literally just Google or search uh, Kevin James on YouTube and you'll see his channel. There's only like five videos so far, but uh, all of them are gold, which is fantastic. So there you go. Ben, nice. what do you got? Um, well, I have a billion because I've just been on the YouTubes like always, but let me talk about two. Um, so there is a great documentary called Lost Weekend Partying with Van Halen 60 Second Documentary. I shared this on my Facebook. It's about an actual contest that was held in 1984, the Lost Weekend contest on MTV to go party with Van Halen. And two kids, 21 year olds, won it from like Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. <laughs> And the documentary stars them now. It's out of control. It's fascinating. They have footage from the time and pictures. It's amazing. And it's something that would never, ever, ever, ever fly nowadays. You know how many waivers and insurance things would have to be signed? There's no way that would ever happen. Um, So that was a great little thing. It's 14 minutes long. Then uh, by my friend at Polyphonic, who does like music documentaries, kind of like behind the scenes on records. Um, he does a 10 minute 59 video of uh, system of a downs album, mesmerize and hypnotize and how it's their ironic vision of America. Um, it was made during the Bush administration mm-hmm. and it's definitely a scathing kind of commentary on that, but he breaks it down and says it's more so important nowadays than ever. It's a great video. It puts a lot of these songs. I, I have both those albums pretty much to memory, <laughs> especially hypnotized. Uh, so, or no, memorize. I think. Um, and he says that he can he considers them one album, a double album, because they were released pretty close to each other and recorded like a couple months apart. Um, so, if you know the band, he kind of breaks down the lyrics and explains why some of their lyrics are ironic. Some of them are ridiculous, and some of them are slip in like very political statements in there. Great video. Check it out. There you go. Nice. Nice. Lynette, what do you got? All right. I got two videos for us. Uh, The first one is that today the trailer number two for soul came out. It's the next Pixar movie starring Mm. Jamie Foxx about a jazz musician who um, has the greatest day of his life. And then maybe an untimely event. 
Um, and it looks so amazing. And every time they release a new trailer, I get super hyped about it. So check that out. Um, I think that's going to be good. And then finally, I got Baby Yodelicious, <laughs> which is uh, features The Mandalorian, which literally a group of people got together and rewrote the entire song of Fergalicious set to Baby Yoda, which I love. So it's a lot of fun, pretty psychedelic, and ridiculously funny. Uh, so those are both on the YouTubes. Go and find them and enjoy. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. This is a really informative podcast this week, uh, entertaining. Um, this was a good one, folks. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Ben, real quick, did you want to uh, plug anything? Anything going on? Well, well let's, uh, let's plug our podcast. Uh, while we were on air, I think w- I confirmed uh, n- another guest host for next week. Oh. So we might have a secret guest host come on with us. He is preparing as we speak. Secret hosty man. Secret <laughs> hosty man. It doesn't really work, but I try. No, that's good. No. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, we might have another host next week, kids. So that's what I'm promoting this week. Nice, nice. Lynette, how about you? Anything going on? Uh, I'm promoting that my brother needs to work on his uh, ability to get things in order. I just got a text message from him that said, I'll trade labor for toilet paper. Uh, I didn't think things were that bad, but apparently they are out there. So uh, Where is he? Where is he located? He's literally down the street from me. Uh, I, yeah, it's pretty bad, Lynette. Walmart was out up here. I This is why I went on Amazon and stocked up well before the crisis. So I'm just going to charge him an absorbent amount of money for my toilet paper. Um, but that's that. And uh, hopefully high school musicals are still going on or not. Um, we'll figure that out for adjudication and we'll go from there. Other than yeah. That, <laughs> I don't know. Sadly. Yeah. I mean, the, the governor, they, they put that ban in for um, crowds, you know, 500, I guess, or, or more. I don't know if, High school yeah. auditorium did that, but uh, yeah, it's not, not looking good for anybody right now, which is yeah, sad, we've but. only heard of one so far that's postponed, anyway. Anyway, all right, folks. Well, lots going on on on, on stageblog.com. Um, you know, we're, we're posting yeah, big stories here, big stories, big crazy stories. Yeah. Uh, following everything, we've got some uh, obviously tracking coronavirus and what's happening there, Me Too stuff that's happening. Uh, what this is going to do for Tony War. I mean, everything's going on right now. So definitely just take a look at that website every single day. Follow us on Facebook, all the social media channels and whatnot. Uh, also, I, I mentioned this earlier on the on our blog, and I'll say it again on this podcast, uh, to any of our theater friends that have been uh, canceled in a way or, or have had their events canceled that are now looking at some pretty grim uh, financial stuff or whatever it is, uh, if, if you folks want to create any content write anything, film anything, put anything on YouTube, um, put anything on medium.com, which, which pays people by the word sometimes. Uh, whatever you do, uh, let us know. We'll share it and, and send it out to the masses. Uh, we're very fortunate that we have a very wide audience. Uh, right now our newsfeed reach on, on Facebook is just over 3 million. So uh, we're, we're getting out there. And so we can certainly help uh, in any way we can. So there you go. But um, folks, thank you so much this week. Appreciate it. All right, Chris. We love you. Now that we're thinking about all our theater people, too. We'll get to this. I know.
Definitely. All right, folks, we'll see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment.